none of us is as smart as all of us. And so that is a superpower, being able to work with other people, being able to uh, bring them together, being able to develop comfort with other people. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesomings Podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey, everyone tuning into this episode of Awesomings Podcast. I just want you to know that Liz is here with me. What's up, team? What's up, team? We're going to split it a, di- a little bit differently that we're going like one part Awesome Inc. and then one part kind of Ventures Labs. I'm not so going to blatantly dominate your podcast today is what he I is kindly trying it. to say. Uh, we're, but we're, we're partners in crime, so it's always fun. Today, we have really a, uh, an upper echelon guest, Tom Stern, whose background is stinking extensive. Go check him out on LinkedIn. But he has numerous certifications for teaching, published courses, aiding people in understanding things like machine learning data structures and cloud architecture and has worked with highly popular and well-esteemed companies like Cisco, Google, and Amazon. So flattered to have him. He's going to share a lot of great wisdom. And Tom, with that, it's just good to see in person. We've talked a couple times over Zoom, so glad we're together. Yeah, nice, nice to be here. So Tom, actually Liz, before I get going, you want to add anything? I don't have much. Uh, if you're going to give me the opportunity, I'll give a shameless plug. <laughs> Please. If you want to follow along with Venture Labs, we talk to a lot of people, not quite maybe as brilliant as Tom, but close. Um, we send out a newsletter about every two weeks to keep people involved in corporate innovation. It'll only take you about 35 minutes to read. I promise it's a good time. And you can sign up for that awesomeinc.org forward slash Venture Labs. So that will be the only plug I will give today. I promise. Liz, that was the best take. <laughs> awesome, Tom. We'll go ahead and, and dive on in, get to hear a bit about your story, and again, excited to to hear everything you share. So, you're from Kentucky, like we just mentioned before actually hitting record. So, let's fast forward a couple years. So, after graduating from UK, you had a degree in geography and cartography. How the heck did you land a career <laughs> in the tech field? And then maybe also jump forward after that initial change to what led you to Cisco? Okay. Uh, so when I when I graduated from UK with a, a degree in cartography, I started a master's degree in EKU in in cartography, and I got a call from uh, DoD. I'd been applying for jobs, you know, with the post office and other places, and <laughs> uh, the and Department of Defense in Washington D.C. gave me a call and said, "Hey, would you like to come draw maps for us?" And I said, "Sure." So. I, you know, a week later, I was in uh, D.C. Defense Mapping Agency, and um, at that in that experience, it started. You know, it was all very manual, and I was interested in, in computing, uh, but I didn't didn't see a, a path to get a, a computer education at that point. And uh, long story short, they needed people to help automate map making, and they wanted to educate people up to the point where they could work with contractors on artificial intelligence applications. And so they ended up sending me to these corporate week-long classes with, you know, IBM and other companies. And so they sent me to 80 of them. So I spent the next two years. As in eight zero. Eight zero. Wow. 80 week-long classes. 80 week-long classes. (laughs) For for which I owed the government a 401 payback. So while my friends were getting their master's degrees, and once they graduated, they owed four four times whatever, like eight years 
in government service, uh, I, I had four weeks left at the end of mine because each one was incremental. So anyway, uh, after that, um, I was uh, educated up in, uh, in a lot of computer science, uh, you know, maybe, maybe too much computer science. I don't know anybody <laughs> else that's been through that many 80 weeks of courses. computer science. Yeah. And that, that probably set me on, on the path to training because I was like sitting there going, there, there must be something better than this <laughs> yeah, for, for all, those, all those weeks. And um, so that's how I got uh, into the technology bit. I uh, had some experience with um, uh, government contractors that were developing stuff. And, uh, and then at one point, uh, one of my coworkers who, who worked for a, a, an outside tech company, he looked at me and he said, why are you sitting here watching me work when you could go out and be doing stuff? And uh, within a week, I was in, at a startup in uh, California. It had that much of an impact that you said, okay, I'm done. I'm there then. I was like, you know, I, I, there's probably more that I could do. I'm doing something mm -hmm. good. I'm doing something good here, but I have all this knowledge and I'm using like a small percentage of it. And, you know, there's probably um, a, a greater options available. And so, and I, I thought, California, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Cheers to that friend. <laughs> yeah, very much, very much so. I, I could almost even stop and dive into the other classes. Thing. <laughs> 80 <laughs> weeks, that's a lot. So now you're at a startup in California. Can you walk us through a bit of what that was like with your first experience in the tech scene? And then maybe how that again led to, to Cisco, because I know that's where some of your big impacts in, in your industry and teaching and really the, the, the work that you've written started from. So I, I work for uh, a startup. Um, in Fremont, California, and th th they were kind of a start down, actually. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I was there for a bit. We're going to uh, use that from here on out. <laughs> and what what happened was um, that company uh, took uh, PCs, wrote PC applications that that plugged into like corporate networks, so that instead of people buying like um, uh, expensive IBM terminals and, and other, uh, uh, you know, uh, specialized equipment, they could get a PC and then load it, load some software on it and cut the, cut the cost radically. So that's, that's what I was doing. So they had me doing networking program, uh, between PCs and, uh, and mainframe computers and that type of thing. And, um, I remember a bunch of bizarre experiences there, and one was um, when uh, uh, a guy got back from uh, Germany, and he had written a demo for a product, and he wrote it while he was on the plane to Germany. He sent it to management, and when he got back off the plane in uh, California, before he got to his home, he was getting support calls. They had actually taken the prototype and shipped it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so those were some of the uh, mistakes that they made because they didn't really uh, maintain his attention after that. Needless to say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so from that point on, yeah, keep walking us through the story. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is good. Tell tell us more about this start down. <laughs> so start down. Um, yeah. <laughs> they. <laughs> Yeah, there, uh, there, there was one uh, time when I, I walked in and um, 
and they were drawing stuff on the board. And it was when I was first starting and they were putting up like all the different projects we were working on project X and project Y and project Z and so forth. And, and uh, the VP of engineering was doing this and I, I raised my hand and I said, I see all the different projects that we're working on. What are we, what are we good at here? You know, what, what is our expertise? What's our forte? And uh, he said, uh, Oh, we don't have one of those. You, I think you're talking about like, you know, business mission, that type of stuff, vision, mission. He said, we don't, we don't believe in that here. Well, um, that would uh, prevent us from being able to accept any project that comes in. I'm like, oh and then, no. And then you broke out in hives. <laughs> I, I did. I was like, oh no, that, that was, uh, that was a, a second um, warning to me that, that I took away when I went to look for, at, at other positions, which was not soon after that, uh, not too long after that. Um, and, and that was that if the, if the company didn't know what they were doing and they were just focused solely on whatever we can do to earn money, that they were not going to develop an expertise and, and we're not going to develop a following. Brief interlude. I just listened to the How I Built This that a guy, guy recorded with Zappos. And he says in it, when they, they were selling shoes and they were losing all this money and he just kept selling off, uh, the, the founder kept selling off apartments to fund Zappos. And he said the change point came when they decided that they wouldn't be about selling shoes. They would be about customer service and it didn't matter what they were selling. And so that's when they started doing free shipping back and forth, which made no business sense whatsoever. They just kept losing money. But it, it reminds me of what you're saying. Of they... They sold for $1.2 billion, I think, to Amazon because they had the foresight to say, we actually don't care about what projects come to our table. We only care about the business and the mission and, and our strategy and why we're doing it rather than what we're doing. Yeah, I, I think also the, the customer focus, you know, uh, knowing, knowing what, uh, what the customer wants and, and, and trying to solve something for somebody is, is really important. That's how you be a startup. Not yeah. a start down. That is, yes. that is so funny. I'm going to have to use that more often. So Tom, mm -hmm. I know I said it a couple of times before, I'd yep. love to hear how you ended up at Cisco because I know you were yep. there for a good deal of time. And that's where, again, some of the things I'm really excited to talk about and pick your brain here shortly uh, came from. So the way I got to Cisco is uh, start down, went to a couple of <laughs> other, so uh, a couple of other startup companies um, and uh, my friends who were also in networking, you know, people that I, I had associated with, people that had left the company that I started at in uh, California, they were like, come on over. You've got it. The water's warm here. It's not, <laughs> it's startup. There's startup money. Come here. You know, and uh, um, what, what actually happened to me is I had been, you know, software engineer and with this, with this sort of art cartography background. And, um, and every time I did something, they're like, that's great. Go do it again over here. Go do that software thing that you just did. Do it again over here. Oh, do it over here. And mm -hmm. so I found myself writing the same code over and over and over again. And I just mm -hmm. needed blinders. It was like, uh, I was like, I can't do this again. And I, I know some people are cut out for that. And some of, some of my friends in, in software engineering, they love doing the same thing and like, you know, making it a little bit better and perfecting it. But that wasn't me. And so I did, uh, I took a bunch of uh, personal growth workshops in California. And um, after one of these uh, particularly uh, you know, long and transformational workshops, I came out speaking 
You know, I was like, I want to communicate with people. And I, I just realized I needed to do something. And so I decided that I would take my software engineering background and put that someplace where I could be working with people and learning communication and, and ongoing learning. And that's what led me to a training job. And so at Cisco, there were people asking me to come in and develop software. And I said, mm, how about this? And so um, I joined when it was about a thousand people. I think I was like 10, 1060, something like that. And then uh, immediately I was out on the road teaching. And so I delivered classes and uh, delivering classes taught me what was wrong with the classes that I was delivering because I had to make it a great experience and I had to get the, the competency and the skills replicated in my audience. And I knew that was the job no matter what props they gave me. And so I started to develop my own stuff. And then people, other trainers asked me for my stuff. And pretty soon I was an instructional designer. Were you teaching the same class? Were you, was this primarily software or computing? Or were you teaching all sorts of, were you training on all sorts of topics? They to had release? two classes, the router hardware class and the router software class. So okay. this is installing and configuring the box that goes on the other side of the internet in the service provider. Okay. Okay. That's, and they were, they were a hardware company when I joined them and they turned into a software company. And you were there for eight, 18 years? 18 years. Yeah. Wow. How, how big were they when you left? Seven, 72,000 people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Seven, you watched 71,000 people. I mean, that, that truly, that's incredible. Not many people I think will ever be able to say they've witnessed that amount of growth in their career. And, I'll tell you what, um, uh, one lesson that I learned from the 18 years is every six months, things change. Hmm. You know, uh, there were, there were points when I was extremely frustrated and did not like what was going on thought we were headed in the wrong direction. And the, the my two walkaways from, from the whole experience were first of all, wait six months because it's probably going to change. The business is going to change. If it's, if it's alive and it's a, a startup or a growing company, things are dynamic. And then the, the, the second thing that I learned is have your values. You know, the, the company's stating their mission, they're stating their values. And if your values align with top leadership and with where the company's headed, everything else will work out. Everybody will mm. align up over time. I think our generation could afford to hear that once or twice. I think we panic, freak out, quit jobs pretty quickly. I, th I know I need to hear that. I love my job, Brian, in case you're listening. I'm not thinking about leaving, but well, I'll stay another six months. Yeah, I'm thinking of the obvious startup that's in our space right now helping with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. There's so much that we've watched them change. So really cool. Yeah, I could almost hit stop right there, but we're going to keep going. So after Cisco, again, you were there for 18 years. We just talked about the growth. Pretty incredible. You bounced around a few times from company to company until you started your company, Myosheen. And in between, like you just said, you spent a lot of time teaching curriculum, helping people. Is that where you would say your aspirations for teaching came from, from Cisco and the companies you bounced in between and on? Yeah, I would say that um, what I wanted to do uh, at first, I was sort of like um, my motivation and my drive with software was to see the result. I wanted to make something happen and see it the end game, you know, and when I went into training, it was seeing the lights go on, you know, you, you communicate and people understand and the, the great thing about technical training is they don't just understand, they go out and they have different lives. You know, they, they can get jobs, they can get better jobs, they can um, have different experiences, they can have better work experience. So that's what 
motivated me about training to begin with. And then with instruction, I started to realize that that was a force multiplier. Like if I create this stuff and if I do say train the trainer or I motivate other people to be great instructors, then it starts to spread. And then that it ends up uh, training, you know, thousands of people and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. And so, you know, I've, I've written over 80 classes now. And so there are millions of people over the world that are trained up in different technologies that pass through my hands. And because of that, they have, you know, better life experience. So that's what motivates that's me. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm curious, and this is off script, but are there... Is, are there things about human behavior, how humans learn? This, this is going to be way too broad of a question, but what were some of the biggest things you've learned about human behavior and how people learn in teaching and creating so many classes? Are there just some tried and true principles that you're like, you can't convince me otherwise of this after what I've seen? It, um, I am uh, non-traditional in that respect. So I, I know there are people that are experts in, uh, what was it, um, the, the, the study of uh, adult learning. Hmm. And, uh, and there, there are a couple of different disciplines there, and, and I've learned a, about that. But my belief is that it's about the experience. It's about making it relatable. It's, uh, it's when people um, feel that there is a safe space for them to admit their ignorance and to open up and to be able to learn. Hmm. It's at that point that change happens. And so I think that uh, making people feel safe and understood and, uh, and allowing them to, allowing it to be okay not to know. And I think that's the, that's a key. And that is so good. I think I appreciate, if I can be so bold, I don't really know you, but you come, you are a developer. I feel like you're a very logically minded person, very straightforward. You speak very um, kindly, but like st straightforward. And yet to hear you say something that I think often can sound very, squishy or feelings, but that that's your biggest takeaway, that whether you're teaching hardware or software, or you're teaching people how to communicate better, people have to feel safe. And I think that tracks with so much of what we've gotten from other people we've talked to. We talked to one woman, Jamie, if you haven't listened to her podcast, you should, Jamie Rosenstein Whitman, but she did people operations at Google. Mm -hmm. And she said one of the number one things that they taught there that is important in a team dynamic is people have to feel psychologically safe. That's yes. not squishy. It's not an emotional feeler sense. It's just truth. You know, I, I think in the, in the startup uh, also, there's this uh, sense of being on the edge, you know, and, and at risk. And maybe I'll have to go look for a job tomorrow. Hmm. And, and that can be exciting or uh, fearful. And so I think it's important to, to understand that and to create the flexibility for people to uh, to face that circumstance and to face it together. Hmm. It's beautiful. It is. Two things come to mind. The first, I was laughing because you said you were in 80 weeks of long classes and you've created about 80 courses. It's like, oh. No, no I must no, be no, done. I've, yeah. I've, I've hit the, <laughs> I've hit the exactly. limit. That's it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, secondly, to your point about creating trust, creating safety, some of the best moments working in our community, going on retreats, whatever it may be, it's because we're having unguarded moments. We're becoming friends. And the fact that you're able to create that in a course or when you're teaching, that's, that's organic and that's a gift. So very cool. This has been so much fun. Uh, Tom, one of the main things across your work that I found is the ambiguous, the cloud. 
what, why is cloud-based content something that you have given so much of your attention to? So um, after networking, um, I, I realized I was going to sort of like take a, uh, a, a bath on my networking experience and I wanted to jump into something new and cloud was new at the time. Um, and cloud computing, you know, just to sort of summarize it, it's, it's really a, um, somebody has a bunch of computers and a bunch of computer resources in a data center someplace and they, they rent it out to you, they loan it to you in some way. And what's cool about that is it, if you can get it, you know, for an hour, um, I might not be able to afford a supercomputer or a uh, hundred computers or a thousand computers to run something on, but I might be able to afford 10 minutes of it. And so it's a, it's a leverage. And uh, so that's, that's one of the things that interests me is that it's a game changer. But if you think about it, it's not just a technology game changer. It is a life game changer. And um, as, as um, you, if you, you know, go back and look like before cell phones and then the emergence of cell phones and then data and how the internet has blown up and what variety it has brought to our lives, including in the pandemic, that we're able to relate now, that we're able to work virtually, you know, that's the game change that was possible because of this innovation. And it came out of a sense of really generosity, I think, that people had uh, material that they uh, had collected and they needed to share it. They wanted to share it with others. That's a very generous view of it as well. I think so often we're scared of what comes, what happens because of technology or maybe it started with nefarious reasons. I don't know that I'd ever knew or thought of it that way, that the cloud enables us to be generous in ways that was never possible before. You can, you don't have a piece of paper that your lesson plans are on anymore. You have a file that you can share so that someone who's teaching the same content seven states away, maybe you could share it with them. And all, all the great companies that I've worked for, um, they have that in common. You know, it's, it's about uh, bringing value to the planet. And I think that's what uh, individuals, when they're working in a company, what they really want, uh, yeah, they want the paycheck and they want some fulfilling experience. They want to grow their, uh, their career. But also at the end of the day, they want to be connected to humanity and have some way to, uh, to, to further that. And there's so much more that we can do when we work together. Amen. We can just pack up and go home after that. <laughs> Tom, our, our goal is we want to educate the people listening, whether they're a founder, they're an investor, they are somebody who just think of great ideas in the shower. And that's the one time they actually think for their day. We want them to have something to take away and hopefully apply to their life, either professionally or from some productivity standpoint. Based on your experience, where is an area you could say most people could grow if they did this? Okay. So, um, I'm going to answer in a, in a, it, it might seem a, a little peculiar given my background experience, but I think that in, in teams, um, one of the greatest takeaways that I've had from my career has been that uh, none of us is as smart of, as all of us. And so that is a superpower, being able to work with other people, being able to uh, bring them together, being able to develop comfort with other people, which starts, I think, with, uh, with having comfort with yourself and then projecting that and then relating to people. That can overcome things that technology can't because there's, there's sort of like layers of different ways to deal with things. For example, in training, let's say I walk in and I'm trying to teach a class and the lab doesn't work. 
Oops, are we are we going to stop the class? No, I've still got the training objectives. I've still got the people there. I've still got a commitment to them. So I'm going to find a way around that. And let's say that the training material doesn't arrive or I don't know it, or I've got to teach a class that I haven't had time to study on. Well, then I'm going to rely on the people in the room. I'm going to syndicate the responsibility because I'm teaching experts anyway. They're all experts. Everybody's an expert. All we need to do is work together and we can we can have a great experience. And, uh, and so that's what I would suggest is learn to work with other people and learn to make them successful. I'm in this weird state right now where I'm so jacked. I want to rip a door off a frame, but I'm also <laughs> like into my feels. This is Tom. This is special, man. Um, yeah. This is great. This is not a kumbaya experience here, but I do just want to say and call out, you speak with such humility and grace that I think only comes from so much time spent with what I imagine to be what you've probably taught thousands of people over your lifetime. And that that's, that's a gift. We, we don't always, it's not always things that people come to the seat with. So you, was, you have both of those. It was a gift given to me. Hmm. Well, you have, you have them in spades. So thanks for, Thank thanks you. for sharing that. I, I think it, your love for people and for business and what they can do for each other is, is truly remarkable. Is that, well, a, good, is bef- that a good stopping point it before, is. before I take one over? of us cries? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tom, thanks so much. Yeah, I want to next next episode, we'll, we'll quiz you on some corporate innovation stuff. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.